The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas. Continuing his sermon for the Feast of the Circumcision, Spiritual Circumcision and the Sacred Name of Jesus. Some people perform great penances and austerities, afflicting their bodies with all kinds of pains and hardships. These same people have no difficulty in drinking in the blood of their neighbor by a tongue which slanders and detracts. Poor people, you think you are well circumcised by wearing the hair shirt, taking the discipline, and doing other such things. But do you not see that the part you must circumcise is your tongue, which laps up the blood of the innocent? There are yet others who circumcise their tongues remarkably and are resolved to keep a profoundly deep silence. But they continually go around growling and grumbling in their heart and are full of murmurings and antipathies. Oh, my dear souls, what are you doing? The evil is hidden in your heart, so it is not enough to circumcise your tongue. You must circumcise that part in which are born these grumblings, murmurings, and inner angers, because the circumcision ought to be performed in the place most affected by the sickness of sin. This, then, is what spiritual circumcision means to search into one's passions, affections, humors, and inclinations in order to root out and cut off any excess in them. To do this, a careful and serious examination of conscience is needed in order to recognize what is the most stricken part and what is our inordinate passion, inclination, or humor, so that this interior circumcision can begin there. I wish to emphasize that this was a circumcision and not an incision. An incision is required to remove any infection in a sick person's wound or sore. But this is not the same as circumcision, and most Christians make incisions instead of circumcisions. They may make some effort to deal with an infected member, but they do not use the knife to cut and root out from their heart what is superfluous. All are obliged to perform this circumcision, but in different ways, not equally. Priests, bishops, and religious have a particular obligation to do it and in a manner completely different from those who live in the world, since they are more especially dedicated to our Lord. Some Christians cut off everything that keeps them from observing the law of God. They are very happy indeed and will reach paradise in the end. For to attain it, we have only to observe the divine commandments. Others are content to correct and to uproot one passion or sinful habit, but continue to wallow and revel in thousands of other sins against the Lord's law. These do not perform a circumcision, but only an incision. They fail to penetrate to the corrupted part and to cut out what is needed for a true circumcision. Instead, they are content to strike at one affected member, and that is usually not the sickest. Still, they believe that they have performed a complete circumcision. You will find people in the world who wallow in the vile filth of a thousand sins and who are enchained by many passions and depraved affections. If you question them about what they are doing or have done, they will answer that they have done nothing wrong whatsoever. We have not killed or stolen. We are not thieves or murderers. That may be true, but that is not enough. There may be other sins which you have committed which are as dangerous as those you have not committed. There are not just two precepts in God's law. There are many others which one must observe to be saved. 
To seriously infract one of God's commandments is to judge and condemn oneself to the pains of hell. When the Lord gave the law to Moses, he did not say that only those who kill, kill or steal will die. He promised the same threat and punishment with reference to the other commandments as well. It is undeniably true that only those who have obeyed the law of the Lord in its entirety will enter paradise. The person making only an incision will be condemned, as will be the one who is content to observe one or two commandments. To do this, and not to be concerned with circumcising the habits of vice which render him rebellious to the other precepts of God, will be the cause of his condemnation. It is obvious, then, that everyone must practice spiritual circumcision, though not all equally or in the same manner. All of us ought to cut and drive the knife not only into one place, as do those who make an incision, but all around it, keeping and observing the law in its entirety, omitting nothing. In doing this, we will be very happy. Thus marked with this spiritual circumcision, we will be recognized as God's children and gathered into His glory at the end. As for us bishops, priests, and religious, dedicated and consecrated to divine service, we are more obliged than others to this spiritual circumcision. We ought to practice it, not only as the laity do, but in an even deeper manner, to which they are not obliged inasmuch as they do not enjoy the same means as we, nor are they vowed to our Lord as we are. Religious cannot be content with cutting out and combating a vice or an evil inclination. They must go all around the heart. Making use of a rigorous examination of conscience, they must take special care to scrutinize and note exactly their passions, moods, propensities, aversions, and habits to circumcise them. There are still some religious who make this examination twice daily in order to know well and understand the state of their heart. After this, they make use of the knife of circumcision to scrape away all that is superfluous and dangerous, excising both the sickness and anything which might cause the slightest disturbance or obstacle in the spiritual life. This knife is none other than a good and strong resolution, which permits them to ride over all the difficulties involved and to perform this interior circumcision generously. This is why religious life is often called a sanatorium or hospital, where not only dangerous and terminal sicknesses are cured, but even minor ones as well. Indeed, one goes much further, purging the least little blemish, the slightest thing which can hinder the spiritual life, and ever so little delay perfection. Even the sources of evil are removed, as the knife cuts all around the heart. For the heart is the part one must always cut open in this interior circumcision, careful to see and root out its evil thoughts, desires, passions, and inclinations, its evil sentiments, repugnances, and aversions. Those who do this are truly most happy. But someone will surely say to me, All this is true. I have often used the knife to cut out such and such passions, inclinations, repugnances, and aversions, which I found in my uncircumcised heart, waging a cruel war within me. Yet it seems that all that amounts to very little. Despite my great care and diligence, I still experience strong and powerful passions, aversions, disgusts, 
repugnances, and many other movements which struggle and do battle with me. We reply, My dear souls, we have come here not to enjoy ourselves, but to suffer. Be patient, and one day you will be in heaven, where there will be only peace and joy. There you will not feel any passion or movements of envy, aversion, or repugnance, since you will possess an enduring tranquility and rest. It is only there that we enjoy ourselves, not in this life, where one must suffer and be circumcised. If there existed someone here who had no passion, that person would not suffer, but would be in absolute bliss. Such cannot, nor ought it to be, for as long as we live, we will have passions. We will never be free of them until death, because it is precisely in the struggle with these passions and emotions that our victory and triumph lies. In the past, there were hermits and anchorites in Palestine who claimed that careful and frequent mortification would enable one to reach a state without passions or movements of anger, a state in which one would receive an affront without turning red or be injured, mocked, and beaten without feeling any emotion whatsoever. Their opinion has been condemned as false and rejected by the Church, which in response has declared, and it is true, that as long as we live upon the earth, we will have passions, feel the stirrings of anger, revulsions, attachments, inclinations, repugnances, aversions, and all other such things human. We should not be surprised, then, if, when someone tells us our faults or reprimands us, we promptly feel these stirrings, or even suffer them for a long time. Nor should we be surprised if we dislike things which run counter to our inclinations, even less if we should like one thing more than another. Certainly not. For these are natural passions, and in no way sinful in themselves. There is no reason to think that in feeling these emotions and repugnances you have sinned and offended even in the slightest degree. Not at all for these stirrings are spontaneous and independent of us. These diverse emotions of the heart are in no way culpable, and it is not to these that we are to bring to bear the knife of circumcision. Some people fool themselves into thinking that perfection consists in feeling nothing. So when they experience some stirring of the passions, it seems to them that all is lost. You poor people, do you not see that this is not the part of you that is most ill, nor the part that needs circumcision, for these stirrings are beyond your power. But what then should I circumcise? Circumcise the consequences of these emotions. Cut off the words which result from them. Oh, worldly people, circumcise those blasphemies, swearings, injurious words and detractions which are born of your anger and which are truly sinful and mortally sick. My dear souls, Circumcise those murmurings reflected upon, weighed, and nurtured in your hearts for days, weeks, and entire months, as well as those voluntarily encouraged repugnances against the things which obedience demands and which run counter to your tastes and fancies. Probe your heart. Carefully scrutinize your passions, inclinations, and affections. Then root up and cut out all of this forthrightly and completely. Do not be content just to make incisions like the worldly, but perform good circumcisions which are spiritual and interior.
This has been taken from the Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas, translated by Nuns of the Visitation and edited by Father Louis S. Fiorelli, OSFS, published in 1987 by Ten Books and Publishers Incorporated, Rockford, Illinois, and aired with permission of the publisher. This book may be purchased online at www.tanbooks.com or by calling toll-free 1-800-437-5876.